This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. There you go, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here on this chilly, chilly Sunday. For those of you that love cold weather, you're happy. For those of us that love the beach, we're very upset. But I'm glad that you guys are here today at church. What a beautiful, beautiful time to be in the house of the Lord. We're gearing up for Christmas and Thanksgiving's right around the corner. I put up my Christmas lights at my house yesterday. Don't judge me. I just had to get it done. Um, but we're, we're just in the throes of that season. And, and we're so honored that you're here today uh, uh, on this three-day weekend. And, and we're honored that your family uh, is, is here to learn about the Word. And we're in a series called Blessed. Everybody say Blessed. Come on, say it like you ain't cold. Say blessed. blessed. There you go. Blessed. Blessed. We are blessed. Blessed people. In this series, we're talking about what it actually means to live a blessed life and what the word blessing even means and how to get blessing back if you lost it. We're taking a holistic approach to this series. We're talking about how to be blessed in your marriage. Come on, somebody say Amen. Like, I don't, can I say amen? I don't want to get hurt. How to be blessed in your parenting, how to be blessed in all your relationships, even your personal integrity. We're talking about how to be blessed in your finances. Last week was foundational, and we talked about the only way to be blessed, and that's not a hyperbolic statement. There is only one way to be blessed according to Scripture, and that was obedience. Look at this verse, Luke eleven twenty eight. It said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. God says something, people obey it, and then they are blessed people. We defined blessing for you in that series, and we talked about, too, that even in the bumper video, the, the pre-video to the message, you saw that blessing inherently, by definition in Hebrew and Greek, it is inherently generational and forward thinking. Blessing in Scripture was never meant for you to have all the toys you want, although God likes for you to have toys. There's nothing wrong with a jet ski. Come on, somebody. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody loves going out on the boat. I've never seen somebody go, hey, you want to go out on the boat? They're like, nah, I'll stay on land. I've never met that person. Everybody loves having toys, but what are we doing with our life of obedience? We're going to talk about that a little bit because blessing is not just so you can have everything you want. Blessing is generational forward thinking. We say it this way, a blessed life is a life that blesses. A blessed life is a life that blesses. This goes all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 12. I have plans. God's saying, I've got plans. How many of you know God has plans for you? Raise your hand. Say amen to that. God's got plans for you. I've got plans to make you great and make your descendants great. And I, God, am going to put a special blessing on you and cause your reputation to grow so that you will become a blessing and an example to others. God's telling us right here, this is the reason I'm going to bless you. God wants us to be beyond blessed so that we can bless people. And I know, let me just, let's just say it right out front. If this is your first time here at church and you're like, I'm giving God one more shot, but if that preacher talks about money, I'm gone. Today's about money. Let me tell you what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to be blessed 
in this arena of life because number one, it affects all of us. It affects every single one of us and it's a very important thing that we talk about. Now you just kind of relax a little bit because there's, there, we're gonna talk about some things that um, are in the Bible. They're not something that a man thought of. It's not something that I went to my office and wrote out how to, to, to get you to give more. It has nothing to do with that. This is very important about the only way to get financial blessing, the only way. We're going to talk about two focuses and two areas of biblical truth surrounding it, and just relax a little bit. I mean, this jacket and these shoes are from Walmart. I ain't trying to impress you, all right? So it's just, y'all like, we know, we saw. <laughs> so it's just, let's just go at it today. Today's, a talk, today's about the only way to be financially blessed. Let me ask this question. Why talk about money at all? Why talk about money at all? Why do we got to talk about this, Landon? Why do we got to talk about money? Bottom line, you can't have a message series on blessing without talking about the things that Jesus himself talked about. Sometimes pastors downplay giving. They downplay it and they either fully or partially apologize for teaching on it. And they make it sound like it, like, we're so sorry. I mean, it's just, we're, we're really sorry we have to talk. I mean, I just, but it's, it's okay. But like, if you have a penny, we'd love to have it. You know, it's like there's this, this fear when we were talking about giving. But let me say this, like, we, we wouldn't apologize for teaching on marriage. We wouldn't apologize for teaching on prayer. Why? Because we're doing it to help you. Same with money. We wouldn't apologize for teaching you about something so big in the Bible that it actually was taught more about than heaven and hell combined. See, Jesus preached about money. We're doing this to help you. Jesus did this to help people. Here's the facts. 16 out of 38 stories Jesus preached about were about money and possessions. I'm not a math guru, but I think that's almost year. Half of what Jesus preached about in three and a half years, he only preached for three and a half years, were about money and possessions. Now, I've been preaching for 18 years. Jesus got me way beat on the percentage here of how much he talked about these things. I think it would be worth looking at. Even if Jesus mentioned it just one time, it would be worth looking at it because of who said it. But Jesus talked about it 16 out of 38 stories he told. Why did Jesus preach on money? Let me ask you this. Was Jesus trying to get their money? No. Some people go, well, Jesus was homeless and he wore ghetto sandals. I don't think so. Because Jesus had a treasurer. You don't need a treasurer if you don't have any treasure. But was Jesus flying around in private jets, getting on TV, asking for your money? No, he wasn't doing that either. So there's, there's, a, there's a middle ground here of truth and it's about our heart. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus wasn't trying to get your money, am I trying to get your money? Here's the truth. I don't need your money. Like I know, Lenny, you're a preacher. No. I don't need your money. I don't know if you know this, but my dad is rich. My father is very wealthy. I don't need your money. God is the one that takes care of Kelly and I and our kids. And God is very involved in our day-to-day -day lives and our finances. 
Did Jesus need their money? No. But he was attempting to get to their heart. And that's why he had to talk about money and possessions. It's been a heart issue for humans for thousands of years. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, and we're going to focus on this a little bit today, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now leave this verse up here for a second, Nick. This verse has been preached backwards for hundreds of years, even by educated pastors. I've heard it in multiple places, even when I've went and guest spoken somewhere. I've heard people say, where your heart is, there your treasure is. And you're like, oh, Landon, well, well, whatever, it's all the same. No, 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 that's not what it says when you get into the actual Greek of it. It literally says, where your treasure goes, there your heart is going to go. Not the other way around. Once your treasure's there, your heart will go there. But our heart follows our obedience. Our heart follows our obedience. And I know what Disney and Oprah told us, but they're wrong. Culture says, follow your heart first and then decide. What is your heart telling you? Our kids will watch these shows. I'm like, what is this dumb show? And they're like, it's the Thundermans. I'm like, okay, superhero family, whatever. But then the your heart telling you, girl? I'm like, turn it off. And they're like, what? I'm like, okay, well, let's just learn a little bit. Don't follow your heart. It lies to you. We follow God's word. It's authoritative. It's absolute. It's not up for debate. It never changes, but it speaks to every part of our life and every generation and every culture. Culture says, follow your heart first and then decide, which basically is a way of saying, be a God in and of yourself. Well, what happens when you are God and you disappoint yourself? What do you have to fall back on? So culture is basically leading you to death in this. But God says, follow me. Follow me. And your heart will follow. Decide to follow me based on a belief that I am real and I am true. These desires and these heart things follow. He's saying your heart is not there now. Your heart is not there now. But if you put your treasure there, your heart will be there. Let me say it this way. If you are in the stock market and you invest in a stock, I used to never check the ticker at the bottom of the TV or have the apps on your phone to check what the stock market's doing. And they're like, the Dow fell 400 points. You're like, whatever. You know, I'm just living paycheck to paycheck. For a long time, it didn't affect me either. But if you invest in a stock because of a wise choice, then you start checking online every day to see how your stock's doing. Before your investment, you never checked that stock a day in your life. Why? Your heart went there. Your attentions went there. Because your treasure went there. It's about following what we know is true and right so that we're protected when we're lied to. Because this will never lie to you. For nearly six years at this church, our church turns eight years old in January, by the way. Isn't that crazy? For six, about six years of this church, though, we used to pass buckets at the end of service. And it was, to, you know, to collect tithes and offerings and connection cards and all that kind of stuff. And we said things like this. If you've been around for a long time, you've heard Kelly and I and other people up here say this thing. We've said, if it's your first time here, don't give anything. 
We don't want you to feel pressure. Don't give a dime. This is only for those who call this church home. And for those of you that are visiting, you're like, yeah, I like that. I like that. In other words, we were saying things like this. We were saying this, this moment is not for guests. It's only for members. Imagine if we had two 18-wheelers parked out front and one was full of beautiful clothes, name brand clothes, not the kind they send to Ross where the pockets are lopsided, like real <laughs> clothes, like good clothes, not the ghetto ones, like name brand, full price. I don't even know what is famous now. Obviously, I'm, I mean, I'm wearing great value clothes, so I don't know who wears what now. But name brand, you could have it like, go get it, go get it, it's all yours. And then there's another 18-wheeler full of food. You could be stocked up for six months. There are frozen packs of ribeyes and briskets and everything you want out there. Go and get it. But here's the kicker, guys. It's only for those who call this church home. If you're a guest, you get nothing. Like, well, Landon, that's not very nice. That's not very nice. Here's the problem. We as a church accidentally said that we didn't believe giving was a blessing. So can I repent to you today that that was wrong? And we didn't know it at the time, but it was. Giving gives us the opportunity to be blessed. And we will never shy away from teaching you about something so important. God talked about it half the time in the New Testament. And it's the only way to receive financial blessing is through giving. We will never withhold that from you again out of fear that you may or may not come back. And in our desire to create a comfortable place for you to find Jesus, we actually hid something from you on accident and we'll never do that again. Giving gives you an opportunity Unlike you, you'll never get anywhere else. If you want your heart in the kingdom, you got to put your treasure there. That's what Jesus said. Paul said this to the early church leaders and congregation in the book of Acts. Jesus is already gone. He already floated up to heaven, left the Holy Spirit. The church is exploding by the thousands. Paul said this. Remember what Jesus said to us. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, who's ever heard that before? We usually say it at Christmas to, to make sure our kids don't turn into punks. But like this scripture <laughs> is actually true. It's like it's, it's better to give than to receive. Jesus said that. So we've looked at two scriptures now where they're written and read. It's Jesus' words. So let's go to Bible basics here on money. Bible basics. Money in the Bible has two steps. Two steps. Very simple. Giving and stewardship. So there's two legs. If you want to move forward, it's giving and stewardship. Giving and stewardship. All throughout the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, giving and stewardship. So we're talking about being blessed so you can be a blessing generationally, not so you can have a blessed wallet. That is not the goal. Will you have a blessed wallet? Hope so. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But that's not the goal. It's about a life that's so blessed that you get to be a blessing to other people. 
But here's the kicker. If you're a giver and you're generous, but you're not a good steward, God cannot release more blessing to you. Why? Because he knows you won't manage it right. On the other hand, if you're a good steward or manager, but you're not generous, in the Bible, that's called a tightwad. It's not in the Bible. It's just... God cannot open the windows of blessing into your home because he knows you won't bless other people. See, God is looking for people to be fresh rivers, not algae-filled reservoirs. God's looking for you to be the Guadalupe. Not Lake McQueenie. It's looking for you to be filled with something life-giving, not something you think an amoeba lives in. But you and I think of it like this. Like we go to Canyon Lake, we're like, oh, it's beautiful. It's like the, one of the only lakes in Texas that won't kill me. It's actually not a lake. It's actually fake. It's a reservoir. It's a fake lake. We made it. And Canyon Lake receives all this water, and then we let it out. Right now, Canyon Lake's, you know, 14 feet low, so they're not letting out a lot. But they, they let it out, keep it fresh, keep it flowing, feed the rest of the river. You and I kind of act like that in terms of our giving. We, we, want, we want our lake to be full. And then we're like, oh, dang it, it's legacy time. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to release $50. And we're like, shh. Like, I don't want my tax man to go, oh, you didn't give anything this year? We don't want our, like, some of us, our giving statements are going to say zero in January. And you're like, oh, I can't let that happen. Here's, here's $100. But we just blew 400 at Andretti's. Those go-karts are bomb, though. But God wants us to be a reservoir, like a, a flowing river not an algae-filled reservoir. A flowing river. I've never seen a river like just spout out a little bit of water and then get dry. Spout out a little water and get dry. Spout out a little water and get dry. It's flowing all the time. And it's fresh and it's clear and it's clean. He's looking to help people through you, not just fill you for your own sake. See, we get to give, not give to get, is the attitude behind biblical generosity. And then once you become a two-legged Christian with giving and stewardship, God will lead you to people to bless. And it's so much fun. So much fun. Imagine, I remember this old cartoon. And it was, I remember watching it as a kid. I don't know why I was watching it, but it was, you know, like one of those black and white cartoons and there was no talking, it was just funny music. And this cartoon guy had one shoe nailed to the floor and he was trying to get away, but he was just doing this. And a lot of us, our finances are like that. Biblically speaking, we're just going in circles. Maybe you might call it paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of us found out too that a lot more people have a say in our 401k than we thought the last two years, didn't we? 
You can look up one day and half of it's gone because someone you don't even know made a decision you didn't like. Where is our hope and where is our trust? I'm not asking you to buy gold and bury it in the backyard. I'm not, talk, I'm not trying to make you weird. I'm just saying, where is your trust? Where is your trust? Is it in yourself to provide for you? Are you going in circles just trying to make it work? Or maybe you've got both shoes nailed to the floor and you're not a giver or a good. If you're not, if you're not giving and you don't budget, why would God give you money? We have to understand that God desires to bless. But there are things he said in here that we need to do in order for that to be possible. I don't know about you, but I want to be a candidate for all God has for me. I want to be a candidate for all God wants to pour on the Kiker household. Give it to me. I'm ready for this. I'm ready. God, we're, we're going to steward these resources well. We're going to give. God, I don't want to go in circles What do I need to do? Here's what the Bible says. Two Bible truths about money before we end today. Number one, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and what? Everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Psalm 50, Every animal of the field and forest belongs to me, the creator. I know every movement of the birds of the sky, and every animal of the field is in my thoughts. The entire world and everything it contains is mine. If I were hungry, do you think I'd tell you? That's God being a little snarky. Let me explain. God's like, I don't need you to give. If I were hungry, you think I'd let you know? No, I got everything I need. So it's not like we are giving because God needs it. This is about us and our hearts and our connection to God. For all that I've created, the fullness of the earth is mine. This is a revelation that you and I have to get as disciples of Christ. Because a disciple, by definition, is what? Somebody who hears the word of God and obeys. That was the first scripture we read. So as disciples of Christ, we've got to get this in our hearts. Remember, in the New Testament, New Testament theology says that we are dead people. We're dead to ourselves, and we're only alive in Christ. So if we are dead people, only alive in Christ alone, and everything is his, then why do we hold on to what's his so tightly? It's not ours. It's all his. We've got to get an understanding theologically for our faith that it all belongs to God, that all of us, all we all, all of me, my heart, my mind, my emotions, my will, my body, it all belongs to God. Side note, what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ, all of us as believers, started teaching teenagers and children that their bodies belong to the Lord? And that their future belongs to the Lord. That's another sermon series for next year. It's happening in March, by the way. It all belongs to God. Number two, I am a steward. There's only two sermon points today because it's that simple. It all belongs to God and I'm a steward. I don't own any of it. It's not mine. Well, Landon, I didn't see Jesus get in the front seat with me and do my job for me. 
Let's, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. Deuteronomy 8.8. 8. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to go to work. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Well, Landon, I'm not wealthy, so this verse doesn't apply to me. No, if you're an American and you own a television and have at least one vehicle, you are statistically in the top 1% wage earners in the world. So out of 7 million people on the planet, you're the richest. He gives you the power to get wealth. So that what? So that you can get fat and happy? No, so that he can confirm his covenant. It's generational, that he swore to your fathers. It's to confirm his covenant. And I love the message translation uh, paraphrase. It's hard to study out of, but it sure is fun to read. Let's see what Eugene Peterson said about it. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this, and all by myself, I'm rich, it's all mine, mine, mine. <coughs> well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all that wealth to confirm the covenant that he promised generationally. The definition of stewardship is to protect and expand the resources of another person. To protect and expand the resources that don't belong to you. But if you're an owner and not a steward, then you don't have to consult anybody. But we're not owners, we're simply stewards. Imagine you go down to Hertz rental car and you rent a vehicle. I don't know about you, but I drive those worse than I drive my own. You can take turns faster, gun it, slam on the brake. It's fun. It's like a go-kart. It's not good. I didn't say I was good at it. I mean, it's, just, it's just what I've done before. Just confessing to you because I love you. But what if you borrowed my pickup? What if I let you borrow my pickup truck? I would hope that you would drive my Silverado better than you would drive that Volkswagen Jetta from Enterprise. Because when you are stewarding something that belongs to someone you love, you treat it with respect and care. If I borrowed your car, I would take care of it. I'd bring it back with a full tank of gas and have it detailed. Landon, you want to borrow my car? No, I'm good. <laughs> it's a mentality now, notice this, in this message, I haven't said anything about if you give, then God does this, which is what maybe you were expecting today. But God desires to bless you. That doesn't, that doesn't always mean money. Some of us, we need our homes blessed with divine health. Some of us, we need our homes blessed with protection. We need our homes blessed with wisdom and guidance. And some of us need our homes blessed with provision. And God wants to bless holistically all the way around. He wants to fill you with peace and joy and purpose and wisdom. He's ready to pour it out on you. We have to understand that I'm not the owner. God owns everything, and we're simply the stewards of what he brings to us. And you and I have to protect and expand what God has entrusted us with, and we must manage it carefully. See, when we use God's resources wisely for the kingdom or for others, he supernaturally blesses. There's nothing you can do to gauge that or make him do it. But when we are wise, 
He finds ways. He's actively looking for ways to bless you. The Bible says there comes a day when the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant, not fat and happy servant. Well done, good and faithful. Uh, Our middle kid is right now, for some reason, obsessed with LeBron James. And I tried telling him that he's just a wannabe Michael Jordan. Come on, somebody. Where are my people at? I also told Levi we're not Lakers fans because we don't believe in the devil. So... Um, but he's obsessed with LeBron James. I don't even watch basketball. Like, I'm, not a, I'm a football guy. Like, I, I don't watch basketball. It's just lots of fouls, and they fall on the ground and cry. I just get annoyed. But um, he's obsessed with LeBron James for some reason. He was LeBron James for Halloween, even did the tattoo on his arm, and it was hilarious. Uh, but he asked me the other day, he said, Dad, is LeBron James famous? I was like, yeah, obviously. He's famous. You know about him. I didn't teach you his name. Somehow you found out about him because he's famous. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, is he, is he rich? Actually, no, his exact words were, is LeBron loaded? <laughs> and I was like, loaded with attitude and drama? Yes. <laughs> but if you're talking about money, yes, he is. He is. And uh, he said, how does somebody get famous? And I I saw the Holy Spirit open the door of opportunity to crush that in my son's soul at that moment. And I said, okay, why are you asking me that? He goes, because I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I said, son, you know when a dad says, son, you know, it's like, here it comes. (laughs) Son, have a seat right here. I'm going to learn you something. I said, Levi, is the Bible true? Yes. Is God real? Yes. What does this have to do with LeBron? I'm getting there. Don't interrupt your father. Y'all laughing because this, this is real talk. This happens at your house. And I said, Levi, God did not create the human species to handle fame. Name one famous person whose level of peace and health and stability you want. And he was like, what does that mean? I was like, usually their marriages end in divorce. And then he said on his own volition, and they overdose on drugs. I was like, wow, that escalated quickly. Um, <laughs> but yes, yes, they do. And I listed off some other things that, you know, there were lots of things, right? But I listed off some things that he could take in his nine-year-old self. And I said, we're not, God doesn't want us to be famous. We only make Jesus famous. What started off as a little question about LeBron James He's asking me about King James, so I took him to the King James. I'm just kidding. I just, <laughs> I just think that you and I, gotta, we got to understand, like, we, God called us to be good and faithful, not loaded and rich and famous, just faithful. That's what I want God to look at me when I get to heaven and go, well done, good and faithful. We're after when we're stewards, when we're owners. We tell ourselves, well done. I'm after his well done. Here's what good stewards do. Good stewards are content. Not trying to keep up with the Joneses. Good stewards budget well. If you don't even have a budget, it obviously isn't being budgeted well. Good stewards spend wisely. 
live self-controlled lives and look for ways, actively look for ways to give stuff away. I don't always hit all those marks, but I sure want to be a good steward with what God's entrusted to me. And you might think it's funny. If you and I get in a conversation about the differences between Bermuda and St. Augustine, I'll learn you something. Because I want, my front yard is God's front yard, and it doesn't need to look like junk. My car is God's car, and it's a beautiful paid-off blessing, and it belongs to him, so I'm going to take care of it. It's not a trash can. My home that God has blessed us with is his home. So I'll do everything I can to make it full of peace and clean and ready to host his people. See, good stewards know that they don't own anything. We're just simply honoring God by stewarding what he's given us. So I'm going to water that St. Augustine. And I'm going to fertilize it with nitrogen and soluble potash. We'll talk later. And I'm going to make sure I take care of my family and take care of what God's given me. Not just so we can be proud of our home, but so God can be proud of it. So I can hear a well done from him. God, this is all yours. I'm taking care of what you've given me. I'm taking care of these kids. I'm taking care of a beautiful woman that for some reason married me. I'm I'm, I'm taking care of our home. I don't always hit the mark, but I want to be a good steward. And I want God to know that he can trust me with his blessings so that I can bless other people. If you need some help with this, we have financial coaches. And they've been trained to help you look at budgets. And you got to come ready. They're going to ask you for bank statements. And you got to be honest. Don't come lying to financial coach. That's not going to help you. And help you figure out where the waste is so that you can honor God with your resources. It's confidential. I don't get any of that information. You don't got to worry about it coming up the chain. If you want information on that, you just go to the website, go to the contact form and fill it out and say, I'd like to talk to a financial coach and we'll make sure you get connected with one this week. Also, the giving page has a lot of great resources on it about what tithing and giving actually is and what it means. Kelly and I have seen God provide for us in crazy ways, so it'd be crazy for me not to share these, this biblical truth with you. You see, guys, when we give generously, and we learn to manage what God has given us well, we begin to experience life that is beyond blessed. When we follow this plan, which is in here, when we are using God's resources properly, he wants to bless us by channeling his resources through us to bless others because we're a river, not a reservoir. As we close, let me ask you this. What is your reason for wanting financial increase and blessing? What is your reason? And what you're thinking of might be valid and and well good. I'm not saying it isn't, but you got to ask yourself that. What is your reason? Is it so you can have more toys? Is it so you can give someone what they want so they'll stop bugging you? Is it, what is it? Look at 1 Chronicles 4. It's about a brother named Jabez. It says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Which if you dig into the scripture there, it means that he honored God above all else. 
Jabez called on God and said, would you bless me indeed? Would you enlarge my territory so that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause people pain? And God granted him what he asked for. A few thoughts before we move into the end of our service with response time. A few thoughts. Jabez was not just asking God for more stuff. He, he was godly above all else. When you look at the culture Jabez was living in, it looked a lot like our country. Everybody was their own God, lustful, deceitful, liars, cheaters, thieves. Didn't believe God was absolute truth and made up their own gods. But Jabez stayed true in the middle of that circumstance. He was different. He honored God when everyone else thought it was foolish to. The second thing I noticed is that he prayed with faith. This prayer has the attitude of, I can't live without you, God. I need you every hour. It was a cry of faith to his covenant, God. When he added the word indeed, if you study this out in Hebrew, anytime that little article is added, it's basically like five exclamation points. Oh Lord, that you would bless me. Boom, 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 boom. It's like him yelling at God. God, would you bless me? But here's why. The third thought I have is that it was selfless. Well, Landon, what do you mean it was selfless? He's saying, bless me and enlarge my territory. No, you're thinking like a rancher. He's not talking about acres. He's saying, would you bless me and enlarge my territory? That's not a a phrase of enlarge my territory, I'll get more land to pad my pocketbook. When you study that out, it means it was born from a desire to protect the vulnerable, to advance God's kingdom. It was a prayer of pushing the enemy back. God, would you enlarge my territory, enlarge my influence so that there's space between my family and the enemy? That's what that meant. He wasn't asking for more land, because how many of you know the more land you got, the more Texas wants taxes. It's not about the acreage. It's not about making things bigger. He was just saying, God, bless me and enlarge my influence so I can protect those that I love. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my influence so I can protect more. And then the last thing I thought about this as we go into response time is he prayed with submission he asked God for protection from evil so that he wouldn't cause anyone else pain the prayer of Jabez has been used incorrectly for very many years but what it literally means is God I'm dead to myself would you bless me so I can be a river and influence and protect and bless everyone around me and keep me from evil so I can keep that river flowing. That's what that means. That's what we want for you. That's what God wants for you. But if we shut ourselves up and become an algae-filled reservoir, it'll look a little fun because people can go boating with you, but you're never blessing anyone else. And that generational impact dies when you die. But rivers, rivers flow. Rivers can be clean. 
and you're affecting people hundreds of years down the road that you're never even gonna meet because a, a generational river of blessing will reach that far. So as the band comes up, I'll ask you again, what is your reason? What is your reason for wanting financial freedom? If you're praying to God for increase simply for pleasure or personal advancement, you're not praying according to the will of God. If you're not obeying scripture with the tithe, you can pray all you want for financial increase and it'll never happen. Lennon, I, I can't afford to tithe. We can't afford not to. 90% with God is, and blessed is better than 100% cursed and under your control. If we are not owners, then none of it belongs to us anyway and God lets us keep 90, that's crazy. That's amazing. It's a total biblical paradigm shift that you and I need to get as disciples. So are you tired of going in circles financially? Do you want to begin to, to live a life that is blessed? The obvious questions are, are you a giver? Remember, it's two-legged. Are you a giver? And are you a good steward? Are you a giver? And do you steward what's not yours well? Because God desires to bless you and make you a river. So Ben, go ahead and come on out and get ready to lead our people through an amazing song. You guys are gonna love this song. For some of you, your obedience this morning starts with making Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, but that is the first step for you. And it is one that will change your entire family tree forever. In fact, the Bible says this very famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave gave it all our salvation started with someone else giving gave it all God desires to bless and he's trying to get to our heart he doesn't need it he just wants you let's let God make us a river let's let God make us fresh so we can bless people around us if you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and you know you've never made that adult decision to pray to Jesus and say, I, I need your salvation, forgive me of my sin. If you've never done that before, you get to do that today. Our prayer partners will be down front here in just a moment. You'll come down front and you'll pray with them. Well, that's scary. It's, you know, this is the safest place in the world for you to do that. Just take a couple of steps forward in your faith and let Jesus into your heart. If you need to rededicate your life to him, today's the day. They'll come pray a prayer of faith with a, a wonderful, faithful person up here. If you want someone to agree in faith with you that you have courage to do the financial things that are difficult to do, come get prayer. If you need healing in your body, your marriage, come up here. Let God minister to you today. What Kelly and I and other leaders do up here is not performance. We're just the ones that God gave the microphone to and you were given the word of God today. And now you've got to decide what you're going to do with that word. Do you have one leg nailed to the floor, two legs nailed to the floor? Where are you with this? You got to go to God on that because God wants to bless you and we want to see you ridiculously blessed too. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody. Prayer team, go ahead and come on.
down front. I'm gonna pray a prayer. If you feel comfortable lifting your hands, do it. Hold your hands out. Let's just kind of get in this posture to receive from the Lord. God, I pray right now for every person here that they would be filled with courage to say yes to you. If that's salvation, then yes. If that's setting up our lives to order our finances well, then that's yes. God, we say yes to you today. Father, I pray for every person who is going to be receiving prayer or coming to the tables to get communion and worshiping in their seat, or God, all of it all at the same time. God, I pray that you would meet them in this very moment and that they would leave here today knowing that the God of heaven, the creator God of the world that everything belongs to, met me in a cafeteria and changed my life. So Lord, come and speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. The band's going to begin to sing. You're free to come and respond. There's two communion tables here to come grab communion and come receive prayer. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.